once a reopening starts, there can't just be a flood of product because capacity is going to prevent more than a few films from being able to succeed at the same time. A quick note before we begin. As we mentioned later in this episode, we recorded on Thursday, June 25th. And as we predict in the episode, by the end of the day, Friday, the 26th, some of the details that we were talking about had already changed. Mulan and Tenant both changed release dates, each of them pushing back a couple of weeks. Films like Unhinged and Bill and Ted Face the Music shifted accordingly. We're presenting this episode as we recorded and edited it because other than those dates, all of the other conversation around them and around the release schedule remains as valid and, as this note suggests, as uncertain as it has been. This is the Box Office Podcast. I'm Russ Fisher, the editorial director of the Box Office Studios, which provides editorial content to movie theaters. I am joined by my constant, magnificent co-host Daniel Laria, the editorial director of Box Office Pro Magazine. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Russ. How are things going for you this week? Uh, you know, they're fine. Yeah, just trying to keep my head down and do my work and not look at the news any more than I need to because the news ain't great. We could have actually just used an audio clip of that exact same answer taped from five weeks ago. I don't think anyone would blink an eye. I think we're going to have to ask you to say, you know, today's headlines in the newspaper so we know you're not kidnapped in a closet somewhere. I was going to say, yeah, it's like when the kidnappers prove that somebody is alive by holding up the, you know, the newspaper next to them. What's the latest release date to have changed, Russ? That's a proof of life question we're going to have to tackle. It is. And that's kind of what we're here to do this week is to talk about the release calendar, what it means, where we're going, whether we're going to get there, what kind of car are we driving? Do we all have masks? The answer should be yes. And to answer that question, we've brought in the chief analyst from Box Office Pro, Sean Robbins, who is joining us once again. Hey, Sean, welcome back. Hey, Russ. Hey, Daniel. It's good to uh, be back. Another week of life in 2020. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay, Daniel's question a second ago was, what is the latest release date change? And now we're recording this on Thursday, June 25th. And by the time you hear this a few days from now, the thing that we say is the most recent release date change may no longer be the case. So let's start there. Sean, what's going on? Where are we? Well, we're at the mercy of a lot of factors at this point. We kind of touched on it last week. Tenet was the last big major uh, shift. We've had a couple more this week with SpongeBob and uh, the Aaron Sorkin film, which I think is confirmed at this point to be going to Netflix. I'm not 100% sure on that, but SpongeBob is going streaming. You know, Other than that, though, I think we're kind of looking now at what's going on with the recent outbreaks or re-outbreaks, if you want to call them that. And I think the question everybody ask, is asking right now is, is will Mulan stay where it's at on July 24th? Yeah, that seems to be the big one. I know there was a Hollywood Reporter headline yesterday with a suggestion that the move is for Mulan is very likely. And then, of course, if Mulan moves, the question is what happens to Tenet? Does it stick at July 31? Also, just a quick, not correction exactly, but SpongeBob my understanding is not streaming. It's going to be PVOD, correct? I guess the implication with streaming is that it's on you know, Netflix or Hulu or something like that. Right. I think it's going to the CBS app, so I'm not sure how they're going to handle that. 
And that's interesting, no? I mean, in terms of the streaming pipeline that Paramount has had with Netflix, I know there's a standing deal there where films that, let's face it, they haven't been you know, terribly confident of from the Paramount side often find a way to premiere on Netflix. I was genuinely surprised that that didn't follow the deal that actually Paramount decided to go the PVOD route uh, for the first time. You know, I guess it's indicative of the fact that everything is changing and everything is in flux. Even things that we thought were somewhat solid a few weeks ago, or maybe not that we thought, but that we hoped would be somewhat solid, are in that way, I guess the construction noise I can dimly hear in the background from Daniel is maybe appropriate. Everything is being built and rebuilt right now. I keep on saying it. I don't know what the city's been building outside my window. Don't be surprised if there's a Death Star in northern Manhattan by the time uh, the city reopens fully, because I don't know what the heck they're doing out here. You're part of live theater. It's a big Edgar Allan Poe thing. You're just being walled in your apartment very slowly. So, Sean... Okay, let's look forward a little bit. What does the release calendar look like right now where we stand on June 25th? Well, you know, there are pros and cons here. And I think think that's just how we're going to have to kind of look at things for a while. Let's presume nothing major changes, you know, fingers crossed. Let's actually, let's just assume Mulan moves, but Tenet stays. If that happens, there is essentially no major family film on the slate now until unless you want to count Connected, which is a Sony animated release in late September, you're now looking at the Thanksgiving period for a tentpole animated or not family movie. You know, and in that case, I think that's one hole that SpongeBob leaves. That was kind of the one late summer option that was going to be out there. Mulan could still be, you know, even if it's delayed, maybe it goes to uh, late August or or even September possibly. But I think everything is zeroing in around that philosophy that we've all kind of talked about the last few months is and that is once reopening starts there can't just be a flood of product because capacity is going to prevent more than a few films from being able to succeed at the same time so if there's an upside to delays in the near future it's that you know and once we kind of get into the fall again right now it looks like the Status quo is that we'll have Wonder Woman. So that would actually help out October quite a bit, which was kind of devoid of any major titles before its delay. And based on what every expert in in health or what AMC and other chains are saying as goals to be close to 80% by Thanksgiving and Christmas, if that happens, we kind of get back to what looks like a normal release slate. But it's still so far off. You know, it's we're talking about four to six months off, which feels more like four to six years, I think, depending on how you look at it right now. So basically, we're seeing a very protracted recovery time, one where we really can't expect the industry to start coming out with multiple titles and uh, capacity to sort of start recovering its levels until around that holiday period, right, Sean, that November, December corridor in 2020? Right. It's kind of what it's all been building to for a while, but it's very obvious now as as each title kind of moves, as the release schedule shifts around, you know, it's very clear we might have a few big titles before November, but that's when everything is coalescing around for late 2020, early 2021 is when we kind of hope to, I think we'll probably talk about this a little later, but hope to start to get back to normal. So based on, on, 
on these predictions or this forecasting that you're tackling, is it fair to start forecasting what the final year-end box office could look like in 2020 or start talking about a range of revenue lost in this year? We're at the halfway mark, so it's a little bit more feasible now, I would think, than it was three months ago, even though it still feels almost as unpredictable. Again, we kind of go back to the objective nature of all this. Let's just presume things generally stay as they are, with the exception of one or two big delays, and factoring in the fact that that films will not behave like they normally do until, until probably the end of the year. At this point, it's fair to expect anywhere from a 60 to 70% drop from 2019 domestic revenue, and probably along similar lines globally. That's obviously very fluid, and it depends on the news cycle day to day, but uh Where we're at right now, where things stand, I think that would be a fair estimate. And to bring in some outside data to this analysis, uh, last week at Cine Europe, the annual convention of the European Cinema Associations, David Hancock from a data firm Omdia was sharing some of the insights that they'd seen on their end. They stated that the sector lost over $4 billion in the first quarter of 2020 alone. And it's important to to remember that first quarter, we still have cinemas open in most countries. It's just uh, in China where a lot of those uh, theaters start closing at around the third week of the year. And a big chunk of that $4 billion comes from those closed cinemas in China alone. So this isn't really just a situation where we can see where the United States is or where individual markets are. If you have a major market like China close its doors to cinemas, you're going to see a big impact on that global revenue. Uh, According to David Hancock, year on year, we are now around 70% down in revenue compared to last year in worldwide box office. That's uh, definitely a concern, but that sort of leads us to the next phase of questions here, Sean, with cinemas reopening and a sort of timetable and impacts of that. Omdia was uh, saying at Cine Europe that of the 76 countries they're tracking, they're already seeing 53 of those countries beginning to reopen. So we're beginning to see the first sort of signs of a gradual recovery, maybe not in terms of content, as you note, because these wide releases aren't out yet. And Omdia is expecting by year end, a loss of between 20 and $31 billion from a year that was originally expected to at least hit that $40 billion in global box office as the industry has over, I believe, the last half decade. This year alone, Omdia is forecasting a drop of 58% in global box office uh, as compared to last year's uh, $42 billion. And over 2020 and 2021, Omdia is forecasting that the business could lose between 30 to $35 billion in gross box office. That's a huge impact. And uh, as Sean is stating, we're starting to see the first indications of assigning dollar values to what the impact of COVID-19 is on the industry. Sean, any any quick sort of reactions to these figures? Uh, Do you have anything on your end that you could share on a global or domestic basis? If we want to look at what that means for the domestic market in particular, because we tend to cover that predominantly, I think referring back to the 60 to 70% decline, that would translate to around 4 billion for 2020. To me, that right now, that's the over-under. That's if things don't change too much, and then we kind of still expect some slow progress. But if one big release moves, that that's the domino effect we talk about every week. So uh, yeah, but right now, I think those figures kind of line up with, with how we're looking at it domestically as well. 
given that this morning, just before we started recording, for example, Governor Abbott in Texas said that further phases of reopening are on pause. Abbott as in Texas in general as a leader in some ways, I would not be surprised to see other states follow suit, especially looking at places in the South where we've seen cases spiking over the last few days. What do you guys think or what do you forecast as far as further effect on reopening plans for major chains and for other circuits? Russ, it's been a mixed bag. Uh, you've seen some results overseas, such as in France, where the reopening effort started with a very unified voice on Monday, with a lot of screens opening up and a lot of excitement with cinema screens returning. Meanwhile, in China, you have cinemas in Beijing going dark once again. They won't be opening anytime soon as Beijing is looking at an increase in cases looking at things domestically, where things really have been very, very fractured. The domestic cinema industry went from a situation in mid-March where all pretty much majority of the screens in the country went down in the same week in a unified way, but the reopening has been anything but. Uh, we've seen uh, some circuits open as early as, as May in states such as Texas and Georgia that started the sort of reopening effort that we've been covering. And there are entire markets here in the United States that haven't opened yet and don't have a date to open. The most alarming of which is New York City, the most important in terms of dollars market in the United States, was originally in the phase four timeline for New York State. Today, looking at the resurgence of cases nationwide uh, across the country, Governor Cuomo has removed movie theaters from that phase four reopening timeframe and really hasn't given any sort of indication when we can expect movie theaters, not only in New York City, but in the rest of the state of New York, to open back up. Sean, from your perspective, what do you think these sort of regional spikes in COVID cases and sort of reclosures could have on the release calendar? You know, there's just no, there's no model for this. And I would kind of point to what seems like the growing reality that we're just going to have staggered openings. It seems less and less likely by the week that there will be this singular, solitary, grand reopening in this country, let alone worldwide. It's just going to be staggered, and that that's kind of the reality I think we're really preparing for and facing. And once that does begin to happen, kind of enter that next phase of being able to look at what's happening in some states. How are films performing with certain cities in play and without certain cities in play? And as as a city like New York comes back into play, that will obviously be a major advantage. I don't think it's, from a numbers perspective, New York City accounts for the biggest percentage of the market. But up to this point anyway, this could change in the next week, who knows. But up to this point, the general sentiment has been from studios and I think theater owners, if they can get most major cities, if New York City's not on that list, but pretty much everything else is, we're willing to open up and... New York City would just have to be part of that staggered reopening at a later point. You mean New York City isn't the center of the universe, like we all think it is here in the New York media bubble? I, I'm shocked. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want to insult my New York friends, but it's, you being among them. But uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's it's one way to put it. Just as I think, you know, I live in Tennessee, and I think at the end of the day, we all live in our own bubbles. Every life is our perception of where we live in our community and how things are going, how people are reacting to them. 
And they're very different across 50 states in the entire world right now. What sort of returns have we been seeing over the last week as a couple of chains started doing their like early beta reopening phases? Most of the figures that we've seen come in, some of them are officially from studios, others are from outside third-party sources. And with about 1,000, I think close to by the end of this weekend, it should be around 1,200 theaters open, at least in America. We're seeing a lot of nostalgic titles do well. Obviously, Spielberg, according to Deadline, had about five or six films in the top 10 last weekend based on the numbers that they received. And there are still some other titles from early 2020 that are out there, some indie titles that are performing well. We're seeing steady increases. Last weekend's box office in North America was, I believe, a little over 700,000. And that's not counting the numerous re-releases. That's not counting Jurassic Park and Jaws and Back to the Future. That's just strictly from current 2020 releases. And it's been a steady climb upward. I'll be fascinated to see if that continues with the news this week. It might not this week simply because Father's Day landed over the weekend, so that kind of added a holiday factor. But And we've seen similar results overseas as well. Korea has been a really encouraging sign. Japan, we talked about with Little Women last week. So despite all of this news we're facing outside of the theater industry, the actual numbers so far are trending in the right direction. It's slow, but they are trending up. Are any studios in a specifically sensitive or uncomfortable position during this situation? And would that lead anyone basically to go with one of these tentpole titles that we've seen be pushed to November and beyond to sort of skip theatrical altogether? Can this industry survive, say, a big popcorn sequel going on PBOD because the studio is in financial straits? Well, it depends on a number of factors. I kind of look at Universal first and foremost just because they were the studio with the most releases out in play when this hit. So obviously they were hit very hard and Minions was probably going to be their big tentpole for the year. It was supposed to come out, I believe, at right around now-ish and that got pushed off a full year. Disney is obviously a, a big candidate because one movie for them translates to 15 other movies getting delayed, especially with Marvel in play. Paramount, uh, I think, would be a fair one to bring up. Obviously, we saw them pull SpongeBob. A Quiet Place 2 was delayed by six months. Top Gun was delayed by six months. And then Warner Brothers, of course, has delayed Wonder Woman twice already. Dune is, is on the calendar for the end of the year, and that's kind of being marketed a little bit right now. It, it's already in an interesting position opening around the movies that it's scheduled to open around. Oh, don't break our heart. Russ has been a, a very big proponent on not keeping its day. I understand. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I guess the, the kind of overarching theme is I wouldn't want to point out any single studio. I think they've all been affected in major but different ways. To the PVOD answer, I don't know. I don't want to say it's inevitable that at some point some truly major release goes there just out of absolute dire need. And that's, I think we're still far off from that. And even if it were to happen, it's going to be the exception to the rule. I just don't really see a reality where the bulk of the drivers of theatrical business forego that theatrical model. I don't even really want to speculate on what movie it could be, but I think we all kind of know like the one or two or three films that are still released or scheduled for release this year that their studio might just kind of pull the trigger and push it for strictly financial needs. 
but no, long term, I, I don't think this. I think the PVOD conversation is happening right now because that's the only alternative out there. It's not facing a theatrical market to compete with. Sean, all of that having been said, I'm just going to assume that it's too early to begin talking about 2021. Is it too early to feel confident in making uh, predictions about it? Yes, that goes without saying. I I think everything is contingent on what happens for the next six months. But uh, at the same time, the very nature of of what we do with forecasting is always factoring in those ingredients of being prepared for things to change. Release schedules are always evolving, uh, especially when you're looking a year out. Uh, It's just not quite on the scale that we've seen for the last few months. So in broad terms, I think it's safe to say a lot of people expect next year to to be a big rebound, partly because it already had a few big titles on the slate, and now it has a couple more because of films that have been delayed. But we also have to look down the pipeline, like films that have had production delays. Will those be pushed? Will a summer release become a December release? Will Avatar 2 be delayed for the 15th time? But, uh, you know, I think in general terms, yes, we can look forward to it. And again, base things on the facts as we know them and the assumptions as we know them. The big one in life being that there is this expectation that a vaccine should be available by sometime early next year. Uh, And if that happens, you know, knock on wood, if it happens sooner, then the quicker that happens, the quicker people get back into their normal. Yeah, and that's that's what's been so frustrating about this crisis is just our total lack of control and understanding and getting ahead of it. Whatever we think about this cinema market or where we think things are going, it's of no importance compared to health organizations like the World Health Organization or the CDC being equally in the dark on how to tackle something like this. And it's uh, a bit odd to feel so powerless when you're staring into the future. But at the same time, uh, I don't know about you guys. Uh, as soon as you asked that question, Russ, about what we have to look forward to in 2021, I was just thinking like walking outside. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one because here in New York City, it's 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 hard to find an empty sidewalk. So I am I'm looking forward to this uh, walking activity and hopefully losing some of this, uh, you know, uh, COVID weight that I've been piling on here. Yeah, I think anything that is closer to normal would be nice. I'd like to see my mom, you know, that would be good. Sean, Thank you, Daniel. Thank you again, as always, for the analysis and for the info. Maybe next week we will be able to have news that is a little more upbeat. And I think that we will all keep our fingers crossed for no late afternoon Friday headline drop, uh, which is the sort of thing that we've seen pretty much every week for the past few months. Thank you guys. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's tough to talk about, but it's it's our jobs and I think at the end of the day we can we can find something positive to take away. It's it's harder to find nowadays admittedly, but uh it's looking long term. Things will get better eventually. It's not to me it's it's always a question of when and not if. It's just getting there is is the work. I think it's a good way to look at it. I think it's very easy to be focused on the immediate future. It's natural to look at what's right in front of us. I do believe that we will get out of this. I believe that we will find a new version of normality that works in most of the ways we would all like it to. And I think that we will hopefully just continue to be able to deal with all of the various frustrations over the next days, weeks, whatever it is, until we get to that point. So on that note, 
Thank you all for listening. Please look for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any other podcast service of your choice. Rate the show, write us questions, comments, if you have them. Send them all to Daniel. He loves them. Mm. And we will be back next week. (laughs) (laughs) Daniel says, well, he really loves them. So we will see you again next week. Daniel, Sean, thank you again for joining us. Box Office Podcast is produced by Caitlin Kehoe and recordeditpodcast.com. It is written and narrated by Sean Robbins, Daniel Luria, and me, Russ Fisher. Stay healthy, everyone, and we will see you next week. Bye.